my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The Fed has their own plan for the Great Reset. Now, I am joined today by a returning guest to talk about this topic. Now, of course, you know about the Euro Davos ECB, the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab and their plan for the Great Reset. But my guest today says that the Federal Reserve is fighting against that. There's all types of warring factions, and the Federal Reserve has a plan to fight back against that and force their own Great Reset by breaking the Euro bond market. We talk about from what's happening in local politics, how the Treasury and Fed are fighting the geopolitical picture with Russia, Ukraine, China getting involved, the Nord Stream pipeline and Germany happening, all of that, how this all plays out. What happens with the BRICS nations, with gold, with Bitcoin, and how the Fed inevitably wins and creates an entire new financial system in the United States? Uh, I'm joined by a returning guest, everyone's favorite geopolitical strategist. I'm talking about Tom Luongo from the Gold Goats and Guns. Um, he's an amazing guest. I love having him on. It was a great conversation, one I'm excited to share with you. Let's just go ahead and jump right in. All right, Tom, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Longly, uh, long anticipated. I'm ready to get into this. Uh, so thanks for coming by. Sure. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, uh, man, I, I threw it out on Twitter last night and we got, I don't know, tons and tons of comments. Everybody wants to hear what Tom has to we say. Did. So uh, I do as well. So I'm excited to jump into this. So 
You know, um, at the time of this recording, uh, we're a day before the midterm, so we're going to try and stay away from that kind of stuff because, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But I think, you know, if, if you look at things from a geopolitical, a macro geopolitical lens, I think uh, the midterms are the micro of the macro anyway, right? It's almost like we're kind of controlling what we can control, but there's way bigger forces controlling the world anyway, probably. Do you see it like that? Yeah, but I also see that these midterm elections are probably the most important midterm elections that we've had in the United States in uh, decades. I mean, honestly, I think this is one of those moments where if things work out the way I think they're going to work out and the way, the way everybody expects them to work out, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a sea change. You know, at this moment in time, as you know, as you, you and I've talked about this a little bit and, um, and I've talked about it on other forums that, you know, if I'm correct about my argument that the fed is at war with the bigger you know the the bigger group of oligarchs trying to you know uh, take over uh the uh the, the world for lack of a better term to, to run their their bond villain script right. if i'm right about that then what political changes happen here in the united states tomorrow or at the very least are you know portended by tomorrow's election results are going to mark a sea change in the you know the arc of I, I honestly I don't want to say the arc of history, but it's one more big piece of a foundation of a, of what the future is going to look like. So I wouldn't discount this, even though I do expect at a certain level for the results to be uh, compromised and yeah. you know it's going to be a it's going to be a mess and the Democrats are going to you know cheat and lawfare and all the, and all the things we expect right we expect all of that, but I think the the final outcome tomorrow is going to be so overwhelming in one particular direction that the message will have been sent clearly to the quote unquote powers that be what I like to call the Davos crowd that dude, you don't have the United States. Yeah. You just don't have it. You're never going to get it. And you know, that's the end of that. And you might as well stop. And of course they won't stop because they're old, arrogant European money and they can't help themselves and they don't recognize limits on their behavior. Um, and so we're headed towards something really ugly, I think, beyond that. But I think we have to go through this process of just keep telling them no. Yeah. You know? What scares me about that, you, you mentioned the word arrogant, is that uh, the arrogance that they have. And so, I mean, what, yeah. seeing what's going on in Pennsylvania, I mean, they're like, right. ha, we'll put up an eggplant and watch what we can do. <laughs> I mean, they're literally going right. against a TV personality. Right. Whatever. A celebrity, yeah. a well-known person. Typically, that goes a very long way. He's a doctor. Right. right. He had his own show. Like, so you would not only is he well-known on TV, he's then trusted because he was on TV. He's a doctor. Right. And right. he's losing to a guy that or whatever. It's a it's a close race, whatever, with a guy that can't even put a sentence together. And it's almost like, haha, the arrogance. Uh, back to that word. Right. It's like, ha, watch. We'll, we'll just no, put an eggplant up and watch what we can do. Well, yeah, they, they, they ran the mushroom, Joe Biden. Yeah, but Biden wasn't quite the right? mushroom at the time. Not as bad as he, I mean, he hid out in the basement. Maybe we didn't know. Maybe we could, maybe we could just chalk it up to we didn't know as much then, but we know now. No, they, they, they are just able to, they're just able to, to manage Biden's meds well enough to get him coherent for the 15 minutes that they can stage manage him. But he's been this bad for yeah. years. So anyway, seeing, uh, seeing that they just, they're running Fetterman anyway, I mean, it just shows the arrogance. Like, ha, we don't even need to try. We'll just put up right. anybody. We'll put up an eggplant and we're just going to beat you anyway. So it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. scary. Um, it is. 
Okay, so um, going back to the, <laughs> the, 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 the war, right? So uh, the way that I kind of see it as being a Bitcoiner is that everybody says, yeah, but the, but, the, but the bankers, the central bankers, the governments will never allow that to happen. They don't want to lose control over the money, which I would agree, right? It's going to be the battle for the fate of humanity. Right. That's the way I've framed it up. Um, I, did a, I did a big show called, titled that, the, <laughs> the Battle for the Fate of Humanity. But um, the way sure. that you uh, – so I agree. And so then, then you're kind of extrapolate down, down to, well, then um, why does the Fed want to give up control over money to the ECB? Or why do commercial banks want to give up power over money to the Fed, or the central banks? Or why does this, any central bank want to give it up to the IMF or <laughs> whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's basically the argument, right? I mean, and this is not to say that the – like, you know, again, I'm a, you know, a Bitcoin guy. I love, I love Bitcoin. I love the idea of all of this stuff. And I just think that, you know, there's a particular order of operations that has happened. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where, you know, we're talking about people who are, you know, turning, who are literal Bond villains who think that they're going to make us eat bugs, uh, live in pods, and allow uh, assisted suicide to be a better growth industry than oil exploration. And... Um, and that's just the way the, the, we're just going to have to accept that. And they don't think that there's going to be any pushback from the other factions that have also gotten fat and happy on the system that's in, currently in the process of failing. And, they, you know, everybody has their idea of how they can get out of this. And, you know, Klaus Schwab has his idea and Jerome Powell and Jamie Dimon and others have their ideas and they're going to fight it out. And they're going to fight it out to the death, guys. Like, and then the British crown has their ideas and the Russians and the Chinese are saying, you know what, we don't have to play any of these games anymore. You guys fight it out amongst yourselves. Call us when you're done, you know, having a, you know, having a, a, a you know, having a cat fight in the backyard, you know, when somebody's finally got, you know, no hair left because you pulled it all out and you're all like, you know, bloody and battered, you know, hey, we still have oil, we still have gas, we still have cheap Chinese crap, you know, we're willing to sell you, hey, let's do the thing. You know, and uh, we in the Global South are going to go do our thing and you guys can, you know, continue to pl play your games. And I think it's very clear from the way Powell has, I can't, I can't stress enough just how clear Jerome Powell has been about what he's prepared to do with interest rates. And everybody keeps saying, oh, he's going to pivot. Like, it's like watching... I, I, I've done this for years. I used to be a sports blogger, and I used to follow hockey, and I used to remember everybody was always trying to parse whatever the GM was trying to say, when nine times out of ten, the GM was just telling you, yeah, we're going to trade this guy because he sucks, right. okay? We're going to do this because we suck, and this is the way things are, and everybody's like doing, you know, the 13 ways from Sunday trying to you know, it, interpret the GM speak, or in this case, the Diplo speak, of what's going on here. Mike, I got news for you. He's not talking in central bankerese. He's talking in plain language. We're raising interest rates until we break something. And the question is, that no, the question that nobody wants to face, and it's the one that I've articulated, Daniel Martino Booth has articulated, and now other people are finally starting to realize, is that he's going to break the levered offshore dollar loan markets. What we like to know is what we called as the euro dollar markets, and we've already gotten our big, the big shot across the bow with the, the UK pension system collapse that happened a couple a couple of weeks ago, which brought which brought Rishi Sunak to power, and Liz Truss was thrown out, and you know there was a coup, there was a central bank coup in the UK over this, for the purposes of bringing of betraying Brexit and bringing the UK back into the European uh, Union fold. And um, 
the, the battle lines are really clearly drawn once you see this stuff. And it's clear that the United States is like, they're, they're just very powerful forces within the United States going, no, we're not doing this. Break, let's, break, let, and, let's, uh, let's break down that Euro thing for a minute. So uh, Trust comes in. Mm-hmm. She's all fired up. She's going to balance the budget. She's going to drop the taxes, you know, all these different things. And then the whole system. She's going to frack. Yes. Yeah, she's going to bring energy the back. The big one yeah. is that they were going to bring oil production back online off the North Slope. Right. Big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Big, big so, deal. Big statement of British independence. Right. And within 45 days, she's forced to step down. Yep. She's gone. Nope. That's a no-no. Yeah. But, I mean. Yeah. That's a no-no. The, uh, I mean, so it's easy to look at it from that lens. It's also maybe another way to look at it is that um, there is no way back to austerity without massive amounts of pain. And so she was trying to do some sort of austerity, basically trying to get the balanced budget, you know, bring taxes down, get the economy going again, bring energy back, which is going to be a very painful process. And nobody's going to be willing to go through that pain. So could it have been that she was fired up to really affect real positive change, but the pain wasn't able to be endured? Or you think it was actually more of the conspiracy? No, no, this is very clearly that. Okay, so remember, Mark, that I, I have said this many, I said this before, and I've called it German austerity. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind that the IMF always um, imparts on the people that they want to colonize and take over. And what they do is they raise taxes and they raise regulations and they cut spending. Okay. Now, the cut spending part is the one that, you know, we Austro-Libertarians go, yeah, cut spending. Government spending is government waste is terrible. But raising taxes at the same time? And then we expect that GDP is not going to continue to contract? Like, it's always about protecting the bondholders. It's always about protecting the bond markets and the credit rating of the country. That's more important than the lives and welfare of the people. Do you see the the messaging here? It's always the same story. What Trust was going to do was going to be it's similar to what Donald Trump did and in many ways um, actually did do, which is, yeah, he raised some spending and he cut taxes and he was cutting regulations dramatically across multiple vectors as much as he was allowed to, which would free up capital and make the capital that's deployed you know, more efficient by getting rid of a lot of taxes, onshoring a lot of offshore capital that was sitting in bank accounts in, in, in Ireland and you know tax havens around other tax havens around the world and bring that money back in, and allow for a reinvestment cycle while at the same time yeah we're gonna have to spend some money that we don't have but yeah so like I'm not crazy about that plan I, I think that that Trump was Trump's plan is fatally flawed but by the same token you know he's a Keynesian in that respect he's a debt guy and you know, trust was running basically the same plan, and for the UK gilt market to react the way it did was clearly an operation from outside forces to bring her down. It, clearly an operation, because nothing she proposed was that catastrophic. I'm sorry. And anybody who believes that, you know, I'm sorry, like, you know, still walks around with their mask on outside. Like, I'm sorry. That's how, that's well, how dumb what, what this is. What happened was the... The idea that the... Sorry, there's one last thing. The idea that the British pound would drop 9% in two days over this is just ludicrous. Right. It's just ludicrous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously, that's, you know, the pound dropped. Uh, the yields went up. The, the, the pensioners were over-levered. They couldn't cover, they couldn't cover right, their margin calls. Um, but you're saying right. for the pound to drop that far, that fast, there was probably some outside manipulation, sort of like when George Absolutely. Soros got famously rich in a day, <laughs> right? 
Oh, you don't think Soros was not involved in yeah. this? Like, I, as far as I'm concerned, is all they had to do was drop twenty to fifty million dollars in the UK CDS market and you know the UK gilt CDS market and blow the thing up, which is kind of what they did. Right. You know, I mean, that's how they always do this. Like CDSs are, you know, credit the false swaps. They're they're fictions, dude. I'm sorry. Like they're not le- they're not leading indicators of anything other than malfeasance by people with way too much money on their hands that they got, you know. From uh, for free from the central banks to screw with markets and then write headlines. So you don't think like, the CDS is a so you don't think the the CDS is a more free market? That's a better indication of what's going nah, on. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They are the most manipulated markets in the world. Mm. They're more manipulated than gold. Oh wow. I'm sorry. The credits to Wall Swap sound great in theory. They're not used that way. Sure, if we had, if we, if we didn't have completely captured markets, if we didn't have completely central bank and you know oligarch-run markets, sure, CDSs would be a fine, you know, uh, market innovation. But please, like you know, I'm sorry, I just don't. This, I've seen this too many. I've seen this game too many times. Yeah. I don't buy it. My dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. So going back to uh, Jerome Powell in the last FO- FOMC meeting, that's exactly what he said: is that we're, we're the, the the danger is not doing uh, the danger isn't uh, the danger is doing too little. Uh, we'd rather go too far. We'd rather break things because we have the tools to put things back together again, right? We can put we sure. can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So he's willing to go too far. I mean, he he says he wants to go too far and break it, um, break it, whatever it being. Most of most times we think of uh, breaking it being uh, the liquidity in the in the financial system. Um, you're talking to break inflation. Well, I people think it's think, think people think well people think he says I'm going to break inflation, right. and then you know the more savvy among us go, yeah, but that's, you're not breaking inflation. You're not breaking supply side inflation problems with demand side tools. You just ain't doing it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think he started to pick a fight that he realized maybe he can't win, which is trying to basically bring inflation down, which is being caused by energy prices. And OPEC just says, well, we'll just cut production. You want to manipulate the prices down? We'll just cut production. We'll go a lot longer than you can. Like, you're not going to win that war. Well, that's all Jenny Ellen. Jenny, I, look, I think the Fed's at war with the Treasury. I think I think Biden works for I think the Biden administration works for Davos. Right. I think Janet Yellen is a globalist right. who who her entire time as head of the chairman of the Federal Reserve, along with Ben Bernanke, worked for worked for European colonial powers to make sure that the United States monetary policy was subordinate to them. These are the guys that. Okay, so I've I've talked about Sofer and the the the, the move in the past about. The United States moving off of LIBORs for debt debt indexing to SOFR, the Secured Overnight Funding Rate, which, by the way, is fully in effect now as of 2022. All debt in the United States is is issued indexed to SOFR, and none of it is indexed relative to LIBOR. It hasn't all been switched over, but all new debt is issued to that, right? Like 96% of it has. I mean, they they took their time, and they rolled this out over almost five years. They started rolling this forward. They started rolling people into SOFR in 2017. But here's the gig. SOFR was designed by the Federal Reserve back in 2008. The original white papers on SOFR were, were, were presented to the FOMC in 2007 before the financial crisis. Like, they knew what was coming. They knew what they wanted to do. Greenspan wanted to do this. Like, and then Obama comes into office. Him, Geithner, Bernanke, and then subsequently Yellen and all the rest. They just put it on the back burner. They didn't do a thing with it for 10 yeah. years. We got instead we got shit like Dodd Frank, and um, and uh, uh, the the, uh, the 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 CEO, uh, you know all the all the stupid stuff that we got. We got Glass Dodd Frank or whatever. Got, uh, they, yeah, the, all, everybody complaining about Glass Steagall. I can never remember the name of the the bill that where the CEOs are now responsible for their um, uh, for their uh, their income statements. What that yeah. one. Um, I, the name's escaping me now. All that stupid stuff, as opposed to getting a real. In, when if anybody looked at the two thousand eight, you know, it, it looked at previous financial crises. Right, it, there was always a if the Fed raises interest rates, it's going to break something overseas, and then it'll always then translate over here because we have globalized markets. Well, in the inter, you know, once Trump was put into power, and once. Um, Powell was made fed, uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, and John Williams was made the head of the New York Fed. 
sofa was all of a sudden dusted off and they started they started moving it through almost immediately. And then, you know, with a four year, four and a half year rollout period in order to get everybody, you know, in order to, to test it and make it make sure it worked and everything else. And then, you know, once that was in place, then the decoupling, physical decoupling of American and U.S. banks started, which is where it brings us to the repo crisis of 2019, where J.P. Morgan starved the market of U.S. Treasuries because they refused to re, uh, repo um, uh, uh, European sovereign debt, okay, take European sovereign debt as collateral for repo contracts. That, you know, the euro dollar system then started to implode. Jeff Snyder went over all this for years, telling everybody what was going to happen. He was right. He just was wrong about the fact that Sofer bro- broke that link. And now this time we can do the same. There ain't going to be a euro dollar five like he thinks there's going to be. There was the first four times we had an inversion of the euro dollar futures curve. Like, I'm sorry, he's wrong. We, we can see it happening. He's wrong. Because the people who are screaming today about the Fed raising interest rates are all the people who who are most vulnerable to the Fed raising interest rates, and it ain't the New York banks. They're all keeping their mouth shut. Has anybody have you seen anybody at JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs or Citigroup or Wells? Wells, the, the biggest mortgage lender in the world, is not complaining about the Fed um, pushing mortgage rates above seven percent. Yeah. Wells. Yeah, that's interesting. Wells silence on this is definite. Yeah. And Jamie Dimon's only talking about energy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's not talking about rates. He's not talking about any of that. No, none of that stuff. What he's talking about is exactly what you what what policy is going to change. You know, Biden the Biden is going to you know he came out the other day and said there's not going to be any new uh, any new oil and gas or coal drilling. You know, while he's in office. Okay, we'll take you at your word. That means we're going to have to get rid of that dude. Like it, depending on what happens tomorrow, so why what tomorrow is so important? Like if the Republicans take seventy seats and five in the House and five to six seats in the Senate. And 35 state legislatures and 35 governorships. Do you think there's a Democrat in the world that's up for grabs, that's up for re-election in 2024, is going to listen to a word Chuck Schumer has to say? I got Mark. I got news for you. I'm laying three to one. I'm not laying one. To, I'm laying like 25% odds that Schumer gets beat tomorrow. Schumer yeah. in New York because Kathy Hochul is going to lose, and they lost. They lost. They they had the vote harvest three seats in western New York in 2020 to really maintain their their majority in the House. Which, by the way, everybody forgets about. But while, so while everybody was worried about what was going to happen on January 6th and whether Trump was going to, you know, I don't know, lead an insurrection against, against the, 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 the Biden's inauguration and the, and the Electoral College and all this stuff, these people were back there vote harvesting like three seats in, in Rochester, Buffalo, and one other seat. To, to get these people over the line when they had lost on election night by four points. Yeah. So don't kid yourself. The whole thing was stage managed and 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 uh, so tomorrow they come in with seven. You think anybody is going to listen to a thing Chuck Schumer says if he squeaks by fifty five forty five tomorrow or even fifty two forty eight? Yeah. Are you kidding me? This they'll be calling for his head. This morning, uh, two hours ago, Elon Musk tweeted out. To independent-minded voters, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, <laughs> giving the president is Democratic. Yeah, no. I, I, you, when, when, when a former progressive like Tulsi Gabbard sounds more based than 90% of the libertarians I, I see on Twitter anymore, you know that there's a ma- massive political yeah. alignment, realignment yeah. happening. Um, I mean, the, the, going back to the Fed, you know, 
tightening the screws, trying to break the, le the, the euro dollar markets, you know, trying to defend the dollar, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you, you just mentioned uh, briefly uh, the war between the Fed and the Treasury. So now Janet Yellen saying, well, if you're not going to help us, which, by the way, all the politicians are now jumping into the Fed. Hey, you're going too fast, too far. You got the UN jumping in saying the UN's like, hey, stop. You're going too fast, too far. Everybody's jumping in. And now the Treasury, Janet Yellen's like, well, we'll just start buying. We'll just start buying the Treasuries again then. Uh, we'll just take. We'll just do try and do yield curve control through the U.S. Treasury yeah. Department, and and run around the Fed. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that, Janet. You got four hundred billion dollars in a two tr and, and a one point five trillion dollar deficit, or whatever the number is. Have fun. Yeah. Like next year, you're going to have a massive deficit. You you've had the only reason she can talk that way now is because she just had the 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 biggest um, tax surplus and and you know tax. Uh, what well, not uh, increase year over year taxing um, collections increase in the history history yeah because of inflation you think that's going to happen next year gains and because of all that and that's certainly not going to happen right, right. Best, best case scenario uh, we just I mean we already have a twenty percent drop in the market so best case scenario we have a twenty percent drop it holds here um, that alone is going to crush tax receipts right I think. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they have to start cutting spending like you wouldn't believe tomorrow. And now the Fed is losing like, money, right? So the Fed isn't going to be able to pay the Treasury. So they're going to lose hundreds of billions of dollars on that as well. I mean, it's it's. Well, they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose forty or fifty dollars, forty to fifty billion dollars. They made. I mean, they've always remitted somewhere between fifteen and fifty billion dollars a year. I think this last quarter they were they were going to be short fifteen billion dollars. Like it's not. A, I mean, it's not a lot. I, I'm sorry. In the in the grand scheme of things, the. I, I know that Judy Shelton makes a big deal about this, and, I, and, and I'm not disagreeing with her. Politically, it's going to look bad for the Fed, and politically, the Democrats are going to make hay about this. Don't kid, don't kid yourself. From a political perspective, it's a lot of money. From a budgetary perspective, it's not a lot of money. They can just stop, they can just stop sending $3 billion a month to Ukraine. Yeah, but they don't want to do that. Let's, let's talk about that. Oh, let's, oh, oh, <laughs> they're getting the vapors the minute I mention that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's jump let's jump up to that level now. So, uh, and I think this is uh, you know I try to think a little bit longer term, right? I mean, it's not not micromanaging. Sure. If, if we think longer term, I mean, we can see the whole world is changing rapidly. I mean, certainly certainly the threat is moving from uh, this multipolar homogeny to a you know or a, sorry a singular uh, polar to a multipolar world. Uh, and it seems that the, we have this Russia-Ukraine thing kind of at the center of this. I know you've been talking about this a lot. We've had conversations about it. Um, maybe it's a war of, of globalism, but it's like really accelerating um, to your point, right? We're sending all this money over there, which is, of course, going into all types of different people's pockets. Um, but then we have, we have this acceleration, which, you know, the Nord Stream pipeline got bombed. Mm -hmm. News on the wires coming out that now people, Everybody in the intelligence community supposedly knows who did it. Uh, NATO, we'll call it that. Alex Craner and I said three days afterwards it was the Brits and the Poles. I mean, we've all grown we up. We've right. all grown up watching murder mysteries and detective shows on TV. Like it's not hard. Like, okay, who are the players? What are the motives? Right. Like, You've got motive, means, and opportunity. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and now you you know, and 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 if you look back through a long geopolitical lens, it seems like the the strategy has always been to keep Germany away from Russia, right? Of if Germany if Germany's manufacturing can get the cheap cheap commodity inputs from Russia, like that's a good match, right? Um, yeah, it is a good match, and it's clear it's clear that the French and the um, and the British have always uh, opposed. You know, traditionally always opposed the Germans and the and the Russians getting together. Um, American foreign policy is just downstream of British foreign policy because 
freaking Brits have infiltrated pretty much every level of our freaking government. Um, our special relationship with the Brits is, you know, mostly they tell us what to do and we run around like Rambo without a drock strap and get it done. Right. Um, and if not, then they meme it into existence and false flag it into existence. But I'm getting, I'm getting done. I'm getting tired of this. And I, what happened with Liz Truss and everything else and, and Boris Johnson, it's very clear, like who actually, you know, quote unquote, wears the pants in this, uh, in this relationship. Now, that being said, um, I think the situation in Ukraine and Russia bothers me because the Brits have motive, means, and opportunity. Why? What's their What's their motive? Not just because they can they have British intelligence. They all think they're James Bond. Blah blah blah. blah. That's 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 the cartoon version. <laughs> the real thing here yeah. is that the Europe and the European Union and the old European banking system, what I've already talked about, that leveraged loan offshore dollar markets, okay, which is the source of where a lot of their power comes from within their banking system and their ability to buy, you know, to, to, to manipulate currencies, buy favors, collect compromat, and all the rest of that, what they do, move elections, all of this stuff comes from that. Now, if the Fed is taking the punch pole away and saying, look, we're going to shrink our balance sheet, we're going to raise interest rates, and there's nothing you can do about it because you can't get any spending through Congress to, I don't know, build back better or new infrastructure or any of this other stuff. Because as Daniel Martino Booth pointed out multiple times, both versions of those bills that finally got passed, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is build back better, it's all kind of tax credits it's classic stimulus it's not ubi it's not we're going to print a ton of money and hand it out to people it's more the hey we're going to give you a tax incentive to you know fix a road or do this or build a bridge or you know get a refinery back online no sorry never mind not not built to get a refinery who would do that never never do that um (laughs) but it's that kind of thing so if people don't use it then it's not going to show up in the you know then the treasury is not gonna have to write the check it's very different. It's a passive kind of uh, of stimulus. Okay, so if the if the states or the you know the agencies don't engage in this stuff, if the people don't request the money, then the money doesn't get spent. All right, big difference between that and what Yellen and Biden wanted, which was six and a half trillion dollars worth of spending that would, the Fed would be forced to monetize, a la the CARES Act. So, what's the replacement for that? If they can't get that done. Well, it's obviously war spending. So that's why the Brits bombed the Nord Stream pipeline. That's why they helped the Ukrainians bomb the Kerch Strait Bridge. That's why the attack on Sevastopol last week and the whole grain corridor, using the grain, weaponizing the grain corridor and humanitarian aid and everything else. Oh, it's not like the Brits have ever, you know, been involved in a false flag incident that, you know, killed civilians. Like, I don't know, the Lusitania? Like, so it's now the Grainitania. Like, that's what we're dealing with now. Like, I, you have to look at the, 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 the attack on Sevastopol is very similar to the Lusitania. A mechanism by which to try and get the United States and the rest of the world angry with Putin for, you know, targeting civilians and humanitarian aid to the world. And at the same time, of course, Putin's running around going, look, oh, we have 500,000 tons of grain we're willing to ship out of, you know, out of the Sea of Azov. For free. We'll give it to you people. Like, we'll show you our intentions are on the up and up. But we're not going to allow Ukraine 
to import weapons from the West to then throw at Sevastopol. We're not going to do that because we're not stupid and we're not suicidal. And you can call us nasty names all you want, and we don't care. So the thing that worries me is that they're trying to meme us into a, 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 an, a, an escalation that we can't come back from that will then give Congress, the new Congress, the quote-unquote Warhawk Republicans, the cover to spend, to go into a war footing to spend a whole lot of money that will the force, Fed will be forced to, to, to monetize, to reverse QE, QT, go back to QE, go back to the zero bound, and, and all the rest of it. We're already seeing that in Europe. They're doing increased military spending in Germany. They're, doing increased, they're talking about increased military spending all across Europe, and it's really nothing more than a means by which to print a bunch of euros and then stuff the banks full of reserves while the Fed is raising interest rates and draining the markets. And you have to look at it that way. Look, so, uh, so I, I heard I'm, from I'm try- multiple people. Just to, like, just to, let me see if I can try and put a fine point on yeah. this, Mark, before you. Is that during COVID, right, a lot of the COVID relief funds that were sent out to hospitals or that were reserved for hospitals, right, were not spent. And we heard all these, all heard these stories of, well, you know, the hospitals got this money, but the banks didn't want the money right. back. Well, no, of course the banks didn't want the money back because they wanted that money to sit on their balance sheet as reserves because they were desperate for the reserves. They didn't want the money back. What they wanted was the, to, to keep their balance sheets from imploding so that the, the credit markets wouldn't implode and credit spreads wouldn't blow out and interest rate you know, um, swaps wouldn't blow out and all the rest of it. And the currencies wouldn't collapse. And that's what this was all about. And the war in Ukraine is a, is a similar type of operation. Okay. And you have to, and once you see it that way, you can't unsee it. Yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to ask about. So there's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories. And we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore A. Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Uh, if mm. they can push the war and then they have wartime spending for more weapons, etc., then that will somehow then force the Fed to monetize that? Well, they have to because they're going to spend all that money. The Fed's, I mean, they'll put it out on the market, but you know, there's no appetite in the market for $6.5 trillion with the U.S. Treasury. And, Who's going to buy those? And, and is there some mandate that the Fed has to buy the Treasuries? Yeah, the Fed has to buy. If the Treasury spends the money, the primary dealers have to, have to buy no the bid. have to buy the debt, have to buy what the market doesn't buy, i.e. They have, that's the definition of a primary dealer. And then what do they do? They turn right around and they flip the, the Treasuries over to the Fed. Got it. And the Fed has to buy them. So the Fed, Fed is, for, the the Fed Fed is forced to, to ease to take on that debt. The, the, force, the Fed is forced to eat spending that they don't want to eat. Hmm. And that's what this is going That's what this is all about. Janet Yellen playing games and saying that she's going to do yield curve control through the U.S. Treasury and cap the price of oil, Russian oil. Are, um, I didn't know Janet Yellen was that stupid. But to, she's pretty to dumb. To think that she could cap the price of Russian oil? Yeah, I mean, both of those yeah. things that she can that she can do yield curve control for any length of time against the wishes of the Federal Reserve and the U.S. banking system, and, and and do that you know without you know without the tax base to support it for very for very long. She's got about four hundred billion dollars in the U.S. Treasury, um, and, and you know and that's going to get eaten up over the it's going to get eaten up in no time yeah. flat. And also understand that the capping of the Russian the Russian oil price. How are they going to actually do that? Well, they're going to do that by subsidizing it. Subsidizing it they're by offsetting. Uh, well, they're going. To, how are they going to? How are they going to do that through subsidizing? Well, I mean, like, think of it this way: like, it's like it's not even. It's not, it, they're going to cap the price of Russian oil. That's it's actually a little bit more. What they're going to do is they're going to cap the price of electricity domestically by subsidizing. I'm it. Sorry, I misspoke. They're going to try and cap the price of Russian oil, but they're not going to be right. able to. So they're just going to have to buy third-party reblended fuel and pay the price, right? But what they'll do, what Germany's already talking about doing, aside from a 90% windfall profit tax on all, on all energy profits, not above a certain level, but all energy profits. So they've been effectively nationalized. Right. What they also want to do is cap the price of electricity for the consumer. Now, how are they going to do that? Well, they're still buying electricity from the market at whatever the market rate is. They still to keep the electricity producers from going bankrupt. It, you know, you know, they if they're if it's costing them twenty cents a kilowatt hour, I'm just picking numbers out of my out of my head. I'm not; I, these are not real. But if it costs twenty cents a kilowatt hour to produce electricity, but they cap the price at thirteen, well, then that seven cents has to be made up by what? The federal treasury or the the the, the federal government's going to have to pay it. Who's going to who's going to print those euros? Clearly, the Bundesbank. Yeah. What is that doing? Again, stuffing reserves into the European banking. Well, and they're already doing it in the UK, right? They've already they've yeah. already done that. Yeah, but well, they are. They're, that was part of Liz Truss's plan. Was okay. I'm going to do yeah. that, but I'm also going to alleviate the supply shortage by allowing oil and gas exploration and investment into oil and gas exploration back into the UK at the same time. So that's the question, Tom. Like, <laughs> it seems so obvious um, that the. However you want to frame this up, uh, the Euro Davis and ECB group or even the Fed, if they're trying to fight inflation, if they're, it's really it's a supply side issue, as you've already made the case, which I agree, a supply side issue on the oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to cap the price of oil. They're trying to beg or pressure OPEC to pump out more, all these things. If 
whoever really wanted to win that war, the obvious way would be to increase our own supply of oil and push the price down to 40, 50 bucks, and they could bankrupt Russia and OPEC that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then, so, so, and, so, and, so why, and now, of course, so why not that? If we're not doing that, then you have to ask yourself why. That's what I'm asking that. you. The why That's not? Clear because they want to actually crash the entire system, <laughs> and they want us to starve, and they want to, and they want to, they want to create the conditions for a justified defaulting on all of the sovereign debt. That's what they want. The great okay, George Soros has made it abundantly clear, and then he put those words into Rishi Sunak's mouth the other day. We want to default on the debt. It's too much of it. We can't pay it back. We issue perpetual bonds, consuls, and then roll the, the fiscal and political uh, control up into the ECB and the European Commission and do away with national uh, national governments and national central banks. That's what they want to do. Roll out a, roll, and roll the, out a CBDC. And the Hobson's choice being put in front of German middle class right now is that you can either starve and freeze to death or you can be permanently surveilled in a minority report style dystopia. Your choice. And roll out the CBDC. That's like the perfect introduction of that. Well, that's, part, that's how that's... That, CBDCs are how they're going to default and still have a currency. That's the minority... That's the pillar of the minority report style social credit system in dystopia of course the thing that i That's don't understand about the cbdc's though is that uh obviously it's just another form of fiat i mean already 80 percent of transactions are digital anyway so whatever it's a digital transaction right. it's still a digital transaction it's still a fiat currency it's still whatever right and so like whenever we see currencies blow up around the world which happens quite often like in, in zimbabwe it's happened you know multiple times they always have to repeg it back to something of value, so they'd repeg it back to the dollar. And so uh, what the monetary theory of value or whatever through the Austrian lens says, would say you would have to peg it back to gold or something that has value. So they peg it back to the dollar, mm -hmm. but if everything blows up and the dollar blows up, how do they reinstitute value back into a fiat currency? Or more importantly, how do they put trust back into a fiat currency without pegging it back I, to I, I, I'm asking the same <laughs> okay. question. That's like, I, I feel like these guys are the underpants notes. Yeah, Crash the system. Dot, dot, dot. Issue central bank digital currency that no one wants. Dot, dot, dot. Profit. Like, I don't get it. Like, I, I think it's a monumentally stupid plan. I, I, I do. But, you know, by getting rid of... They're going to say, but by, we don't have... We have a clean balance sheet now. We don't have any debt. You can invest in us now. We're like, why would I invest in you? You just, you just stole trillion, $12 trillion worth of or $14 trillion worth of wealth. Really? Really? Like, okay, you really think that's what's going to happen here? But the reason, the way they think they're going to be able to pull this off is because they have um, bankrupted the Russians in a war, right, and gotten them to heal, and they've destroyed the United States, then, of course, you know, everything is so terrible that they come out smelling like the first ones to default. They're like the first banks to, to, to go through bankruptcy during a financial crisis. Right? They're usually the first ones to they're the first ones to go bankrupt, and they're usually the first ones to uh, come back because they've already gone through the restructuring and everything else. That's what they're thinking. They're just thinking in, in, in those kind of quote unquote. I hate to say this when I'm talking about communists here, but creative destruction. Yeah. Uh, well, con controlled destructionism for them, right? Uh, trying to get the building to fall into their lap, right? Um, 
Right now right, we. Right. It's always about it's always about it's always about selling you, you know. I've always about selling you freedom by, um, by you know putting a noose around your yeah. neck, and a shock collar, and you know, and a shock and an electroshock up your yeah. ass. Like it's not hard here. Like it's, it's the same thing. This whole thing is one big skin. This whole this whole thing that they've turned the entire world into is just one big Skinner box. Now we have the. Uh, and we're all just addicted to you know. Addicted to causing each other pain. We have the rise of the BRICS nations, which um, on one hand seems like a credible threat. We have more than half the people alive in the world today joining that. Um, they want to break the LBMA. They produce over 60% of the gold in the world, where the UK produces none. <laughs> um, and so it seems like it could be a credible threat there. However, uh, the US has the consumers. And so without consumers, that's difficult. But if they can break Russia, and now they've knocked China back to the dark ages, China's stuck importing energy and food and everything, basically, for that matter. Maybe they think, well, if we can get Russia knocked down and we can get China cornered where they, they're forced to play ball, then we kind of break, we break bricks and then we kind of get that under control. Well, they, are, they clearly want to break the bricks up. I, I, they obviously just did so, you know, with a major piece of it in Brazil, right? Um, they're clearly the want, B, you know, the B a, part. Yeah, that was big. Right. They clearly want, you know, and they just realize that they just think that the, if they can break Brazil, Russia, and China, then the swing states like India, because BRICS has two eyes now, Iran and India. So, of course, we're pressuring Iran at the same time. Uh, the problem is, is that the BRICS also have two S's because there's another, there's a new one now, and that's Saudi Arabia. Right. So, they've got a lot of work to do here because everybody there is... Um, not on board with this. And, you know, the, the big question now is, you know, can the Russians uh, rejigger their, their trade and their, and their military and their, and their internal structure in such a way that they can resist kind of ad infinitum, right? And I don't know that that's the case. I, I, you know, I, I'd like to believe that it is. I'm, you know, I, I, I'd like to believe that Putin has this mostly under control. He's not acting like he doesn't. You know, and um, but, you know, these are these are titanic forces here and everybody has to play their hand perfectly to get out of it alive. OK, yeah. Yes. So, and no. But also you've also framed up a, a plan that doesn't seem like it will work. So um, Nietzsche says that that was right. just falling. Shall you also push like the global sovereign debt bubble is bursting uh, <laughs> the yeah. dollar bubble is bursting and every other sovereign is bursting. Uh, the plan that they seem to have doesn't seem to work. How do you go back to a fiat currency? Probably doesn't work. How do you trust somebody who just stole the global wealth? And, and like, so like, uh, everyone has to play. The this is why the Fed, is, this is why the Fed is raising interest rates aggressively to try and, um, get back lost credibility and to get rid of the Fed put and get everybody back on the risk assessment. One of the interesting things about, so far, and I haven't really had a chance to write a piece about this, but I've talked about it a little bit here and there, is that when you really start to look at SOFR as a, as a market-driven, collateralized um, rate, right, contract rate, because we've got futures market and, 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 you know, we now have a SOFR futures curve for um, uh, anticipating where, where it's going to be in 90 days and what people are going to help, people are going to need in domestic money markets and all the rest of it. And this is all good. The interesting part about this is that the end game for SOFR domestically after it breaks LIBOR 
or after it breaks the euro dollar system, is that we can have a re-regionalization of interest rates in the United States. Remember that the Federal Reserve is originally in, is conceived of as 12 regional banks. Mm-hmm. This Kansas City Fed, the Atlanta Fed, the Dallas Fed, the San Francisco Fed, the New York Fed, blah, 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 Minneapolis, blah, 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 right? 100 years ago, 110, 105 years ago, or 110 years ago, this was necessary because of the rate at which, you know, information transmitted through the economy because, you know, we were still, you know, we barely had cars. Like, cars were just a, were not even a thing yet, right? So um, having regional interest rates made sense. And for the, you know, so that the rate of the risk, you know, assessment rate, the, 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 the foundational uh, rate in San Francisco should be different than it is in New York. Well, with a market-driven rate like SOFR, you can actually have now a re-regionalization of interest rates because you're going to just have banks bidding locally for money markets. And we're going to get away from it. We, and we can actually get away from uh, a monolithic Fed funds rate. The Fed can just, you know... And there's, there's, a, there, there's a thing happening here that I think is... You know, I mean, really looking ahead here. Well, now we're talking about looking, you know, 5, 10, 12 years ahead here. And obviously, we, we may not even have an election in 2024. But I want you to understand that the model, you can see the, the, the foundations are in place for a move back to a monetary system which created the United States that, that we know it today, right? That when we had the Federal Reserve, which was, you know, this was a coup against the original concept of the United States in 2013. Don't get me wrong. I, I hate the Federal Reserve. I'm not making, I'm not shilling for it here. I would love for us to go onto some kind of, you know, um, 100% reserve, commodity money standard, real banking and all the rest of it. But a market-driven rate with the re-regionalization of the Fed funds rate to, assess, to, to put risk assessment back in the hands of private banks is a hell of a lot better. Yeah than the system we have now, where we have one monolithic rate, basically set by the New York Fed, um, and everybody else has to eat it. And that's actually caused all sorts of in, internal problems here in the United States. In the same way that I, having a, a, a monolithic um, ECB funds rate, deposit rate, has advantaged Germany at the expense of, say, Italy or Spain or Greece or you know, the, 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 the quote-unquote pigs. Well, it's the same problem here in the United States. Having a monolithic rate in, um, in the United States advantaged California at the expense of you know, most of the South for decades yeah. and the Midwest for decades. So it's the same problem writ large. And, this is why, and so this is the end of the Californization of the United States when you really start, start to like, think through how this is going to work and why everybody, why, why the breakup of the European Union is, in fact, I think, inevitable because we need to have different interest rates across the EU space in order to properly uh, assess risk and, and labor efficiency. Well, the same thing should be in the United States as well, but with a market-driven rate like SOFR, we can actually do that. Yeah. Because things can trade at a disc- things can trade in Minneapolis at a discount or a premium to SOFR based on the demand for money. Yeah. Right? Whereas it's a lot harder for that to happen with a monolithic rate because it's not a market-driven rate that's coming from the Federal Reserve, whereas SOFR is actually determined by the market. And the problem with the with- can be once the once the entirety of the of the market once the entirety of the market is working on that rate. This is something that I've been spitballing 
uh, with some people about for a couple of couple of weeks now. But I just this is the first time I've actually actually tried to like put some some meat on those bones. And again, I'm not saying that I'm I'm right about this, but it's something that we really want to start considering. Yeah. And, and of okay. course, because if that's the case, then those are the forces at play here in the United States to, to ensure that the reindustrialization of the United States that happens with the last dollar bull market that we're going to have, which is not going to, by the way, be a bull market against gold and Bitcoin. It's going to be a bull market against every other friggin crappy fiat currency. This is the one we're living through right, right. now. And then once people really start getting real and we're starting to see that the Fed raised 75 basis points the other day and gold, you know, initially traded down and now is back up in the 1680s and is threatening on 1700. You know, I think a weekly closing price on gold above 1735 and we're off to the races back to 1900. And the same thing with Bitcoin. If we got a weekly close above 22,000, watch out, baby. We're going to be back at 30 before you even yeah. know it because it's going to pretend that you have people finally realizing that Europe has no way of, of surviving this without forcing the Fed to pivot and without forcing the Fed put back onto the global market. And I just don't think that enough people believe that that's the case yet. I just don't think we've gotten, you know, enough people to the to the acceptance phase of the Kubo Ross model about, you know, five stages of grief model about the end of the, the death of the Fed put. I think a lot of people are still in denial, and so and a lot of people clearly are angry, and are bargaining. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So You don't think the Fed has one more put in them? I mean, it seems like you do. That's why you said, uh, or, or no, you think uh, gold and Bitcoin go. I think the Fed wants to do away with the idea of the, of the general Fed put for the global market. Right. I'm not saying okay. that I don't think that at some point the Fed may not pivot or, you know, they, you know again, markets move in waves, right. right? Policies move in waves. We could have the Fed go to 5.5%, break Europe, 
you know, see the dollar index go to 140, back off, go back to 3%, and let that, and then let that run for a while. That'd be okay. I don't know. I mean, whatever. That would be yeah. fine. Like that would be normal monetary policy. And th- and then once that and once we've internalized all that, and we've worked out some of the the damage from those things. And if we need to move it back up to five or six, we do so. Yeah. We should never ever go back to the zero bound. Yeah. Ever. That's what I think. Uh, it seems like is probably the most probable outcome here. You know, financial repression. So if they can bring the rates up to five percent, get them some room, drop it back down to three, pin or, or maybe four. You know, maybe four is the new two or something. Right? Uh, or uh, and then uh, you know, get up to five, get some room, bring it back down to four, keep the bond yields low, infl- let inflation kind of run a little hot for a while, and maybe you know, try to bring GDP back down that way. Um, seems like it might be a probable option. Uh, or outcome, I should say. Um, jumping gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned Bi- you mentioned Bitcoin, um, and so you know, the final stage of every empire is capital controls. Right, we have to force you to stay in the party. If I'm having a party here at my office, and hey, you're too noisy, get out, and I don't like you, get out, and I kick everybody out, eventually, I have no control over anybody because no one's at my party, and they've started their own party over there. And so when you look at like the fall of the USSR, right, everyone's kind of left and started these parallel markets and economies, and then they had no more control. And so um, if, if people exit, which is why you hear people like Christine Lagarde talking about having to close the exits, not just with taxes, but also with currencies as well. Um, if we get enough people getting outside of the system, then they lose the power of that system. Now, there hasn't really been a good option, but it seems like as the world is escalating very rapidly right now, especially coming forefront, which, you know, to people all across the world, um, they understand, you know, we have about 3 billion people living under strict authoritarian regimes with double digit inflation or greater. And so for them, you don't have to explain to them why they might need a different way to store money than this fiat currency they have. In the United States, it's a little bit harder. Uh, but in Canada, we found front and center, hey, we'll just take your money anytime we want. Obviously, Russia, we fro- froze our FX reserves. And so it's starting to come more and more and more and more. And, um, it seems like as the world continues to break apart, which is my thesis, um, you know, probably move into this multipolar world, how does the world trust each other for common trade and good? And it seems like it doesn't really work. And it's almost like we would need this decentralized ledger that nobody could control in order to bring some trust back into the world again. I agree. I, I agree. I just think it's, I just think I know that some people that when you asked last night, which you, you know, what you wanted to talk with me about. Now, a lot of people said, you know, hey, Tom, um, how do you justify gold in a world with Bitcoin? I'm like, well, because a lot of people don't trust Bitcoin. Yeah. And a lot of people still trust gold. And it's just the way it is. And I think that um, I'm not, I don't know that gold is going to survive as a global foundational asset beyond this cycle of history, right? Beyond, beyond this cycle. This might be the like the last one. The last um, war cycle, fourth turning, whatever you want to call it, sovereign debt crisis, saw the end of the silver, of silver as a monetary metal, right? All the central banks around the world divested the largest hordes of silver ever seen by humanity over the last 75 years. Nobody has any silver left in their reserves. But was, it, was, that a, was that a technology point. thing, though, right? Because we needed silver for lower, uh, for lower denominations, but once we had paper currencies, we didn't need silver anymore. So then we just kept well, going. Well, yeah. I, 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 and actually, and technology caught up to the fact that silver is one of the best 
you know, electrical conductors in the, on the periodic table and blah, 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 blah. The industrial demand for silver rose. And the, it just, like, there's, like, there's things we can do with these metals. Remember, I'm a chemist as well, right? And, and you know, with a, and for a while I worked, you know, in, in, in metallurgy um, and in coatings. And, and so this has given a lot of thought to this stuff. And, like, at, at some point, you know, it's a technology thing. Money is a technology, Mark. But but I, the way I meant like the way else. I meant in technology is like gold was good for bigger denominations, silver was good for smaller denominations. Right, of but course. Once we right, and now we're at the, when we when we when we got paper gold certificates, we didn't need the smaller denominations anymore. So what happened is basically, I mean, we had silver we had silver certificates in the United States all the way up until you know I was born in nineteen what sixty eight. You could still turn them in up until. You know, I know, I, I know people who turned him into the Federal but Reserve. But it was demonetized in, what, 1898 or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, but the, the point being is that silver eventually was no longer even held as a reserve asset to back the paper currency, right? right? And at some point, maybe we'll get to the point where gold is no longer used as a, as a reserve asset. I don't know. I'm not going to live to see this day. Like, we're going to see the, the remon... We're going to see Treasury gold actually remonetize in a way that is a better way of recapitalizing the central bank balance sheets than um, default, which is what Soros wants to do. Soros wants to keep all the wealth that he's stolen, right? And then just have everybody default on the fiat debt when the better thing to do is to um, recapitalize the entire system using the treasury gold, but having to use it at a much higher price. Yeah. Like, and and so and you know again this is not an original idea I've talked about this a little bit but the you know the idea being is that you know you can recapitalize the United States you've got eighty one hundred thirty three point five tons of gold sitting on the Fed's balance sheet that's forty two dollars and twenty two cents an ounce marked to you know marked to, to to sale not marked to market but remember the remember the World Gold Council you know puts that number out every quarter telling you what that is as a percentage in mark to market terms of U.S.'s actual reserves. Got news for you of the total US reserves of the of the U.S. banking system is sixty five percent of the U.S. banking system. Now is that sixty five percent of a very small pile of, of reserves on a massive pile of dollars? You bet your sweet bippy it is. But you want to recapitalize trust. It's easy. Yeah. You issue a 50- or 100-year bond with a 5% gold redemption clause at the end of the bond. Well, we know that central at, banks are, at, are buying more gold than any time uh, in, what, since 1971. So they're certainly... More than 50. More than 50 I, uh, last year was 15% of total demand, gold demand. This year it's going to be more than that. Probably somewhere around 17 or 18. The, and we have to wait for the Q4 numbers because a lot of the... The, the smaller buyers of gold from the central banks like to just make one big purchase at the end of the year. Hungary, for example, last year. Japan a couple of years ago, right? Um, and, you know, there are, all, there are only a few like Serbia and Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and others who just buy every month like it's, you know, it's just part of their, their buying program. Yeah. By the way, Uzbekistan is buying like 8.7 tons of gold a month. Wow. Uzbekistan. It's a lot of gold. 8.7 tons of gold. Well, why would they keep their money in the like, financial system if Russia gets their accounts frozen? They, they, what, what hope do they have, right? <laughs> right. And, why, and, 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 and that's a number, by the way, where we don't know what the Russians have been buying this year because the Russians aren't telling anybody. Yeah. And neither does China. Yeah. Oh, the Chinese and the Russians. And see, the thing about, about a gold redemption clause for a... Just to make sure everybody understands the, the mechanics of this, and it's just I have to I have to run in a couple of minutes because I've got another 
got another thing that I've got somebody waiting for me. But to remember this, you can issue, this is why I say that at some point the Fed is going to want the price of gold to rise. Oh, by the way, I also think at some point the Fed is going to want the price of Bitcoin to rise because I also see Bitcoin entering into the global reserve system as well. I think the Fed's going to wind up putting Bitcoin on its balance sheet in 10 years. You know, Baker Noodle, you think you're going to get rid of, you think you're going to get rid of the Fed? No, boys. I don't think that's going to happen. I, but I can see the Fed buying, or at least part of the U.S. banking system being backed by Bitcoin. We're already seeing it. So there's no reason not to, you know, and we're already seeing an investment at the investment level, you know, at the, at the, at the family office level and, and whatnot. Why wouldn't we see it somewhere else? Yeah. I would see it everywhere. So, but as far as like a, a gold redemption clause is concerned, you don't have to issue, you can keep the Fed funds rate at 6%, but issue 50-year debt with a 2% coupon. Now, all of a sudden, your, your budget crisis from a 6% Fed funds rate isn't as bad as you think it is. Now you can roll over the existing debt at 2%, paying a 2% coupon, but with, a, but with the net present value of the bond being linked to the gold price, now you can let the price of gold find its new level, and the investors will hold on to these 50-year bonds that they're only getting paid 2% in dollars every year, but they're getting 10 or 12 or 15% in gold. Yeah. And that way, you can slowly allow the, the price of gold to, to you know, rise to its commensurate level over 10 or 15 years. And at any point, you just leave a clause in the thing that the bond is callable at the net present value in dollars based on the current market price of gold. So that if you bought a $10,000 bond, you know, $500 of which is, at the time of the sale, is, is, is recoverable, is redeemable as, as, a, as treasury gold, that price of that $500 worth of gold rises to, I don't know, you know, a fifteen hundred bucks, and you call the bond in. The whole bond is worth now, you know, twelve thousand dollars. You pay the you pay the people off the, you know, the the bondholders back in those dollars. But if you were able to do that and fix the the fiscal side of the equation by doing fiscal, um, you know, reasonable fiscal management, along with a re-regionalization of the federal uh, the Fed funds rate with SOFR and all the rest of it, and 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 risk being assessed by commercial banks and not being set uh, at the margin really by the um, by the central bank, and all of a sudden, we have a system that's a hell of a lot closer to like Austro-libertarian utopia than you think you're, you think um, you was ever possible. It's possible, but it's going to require uh, a dramatic amount of change, uh, a dramatic shift in thinking. Yeah. Now, here's the key. Here's the big gig. Ready? What do you think the Russians and the Chinese are going to do at some point if anybody thinks that we're going to? Um, that you know, like they could always just restate their gold reserves and then do this exact thing that I just talked about, and they will call capital away from the from the West very quickly. So it's going to be in the Fed's best interest if the Fed wants to survive. If the Fed goes, if it doesn't go first, that it goes. It'll be forced to. This is why the midterms tomorrow are so damn important. Yeah, the game theory. I, it's a great plan, Tom. I think the problem with that, uh, the biggest problem I see with that plan is that it's you know too much common sense it's too practical and it would work too well so uh, they probably would never want to go for that however Beautiful it's not that far-fetched because Beautiful we know plan. what it was after 1971 the u.s was forced to issue bonds in other what 
other currencies, right? Or other bonds. Uh, yeah, Swiss, Swiss franc bonds during the Carter yeah. administration. So they were forced to do it and they may be forced to do it again. I know you got to run, Tom. Uh, we went long. Uh, as always, I appreciate uh, being able to ch chat with you. Uh, you write an awesome newsletter, which I recommend, Gold, Goats, and Guns. You got the podcast as well. Uh, we'll make sure to link down that below. Anything you want to shout out? No, just follow me on Twitter. We're on TFL seventeen twenty eight. If you want to, you know, you want want some snark with your with, with your cornflakes in the Yeah, so we'll make sure to link to Twitter, uh, your newsletter in there, which is awesome. I recommend it. And uh, with that, we'll we'll wrap it up. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Mark. You have a good day now. All right, that's a wrap. Hopefully, you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did having it. Make sure to check out Tom Luongo's Gold Goats and Guns. We're going to link to that down below in the notes. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Hopefully, you take this information, think about it, absorb it. And then go discuss it. Share this information. We're trying to wake as many people up. That's my only ask. I try to bring you as much value as I can. And my ask to you is if you can share this information, discuss it, discuss these ideas, teach your kids. All right, that's what I got. To your success, I'm out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.